Welcome to the SEG Church Daily Devo Podcast. Glad that you joined us. We're getting some of our questions, answering some of yours, and giving some of our thoughts. Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. Welcome to week three of Send It. This week we're going to be looking at living sacrificially, especially where it concerns our finances. Today we're going to learn about what Jesus had to say about the dangers of money. It's a trap we're going to need to learn to avoid if we want to be everything that God has called us to be. Oh, and if you've been wondering about who our readers are, I'd like to introduce you to Tara. She's a new mom and helps out at marketing at SEG, and she's also involved in Moms Together. She is serving you by reading our Devo today. Let's get going. Today's scripture is from Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Today's Devo is titled, Money is a Trap. If you've ever set out a mousetrap, you know that the key to trapping is to mask the danger, the trap, with something desirable, the cheese. The mouse is so focused on obtaining the object of its desire that it ignores the danger of the trap. Snap! There are lots of traps we need to avoid as we follow Jesus. But there is something special about money. Did you know that Jesus talked about money more than he did about anything else aside from the kingdom of God? Why? Because money has a unique power to blind us. Money convinces us that all we need All we desire, we can obtain if only we have it. We look for significance. Money tells us that the more we have of it, the more important we are. We use it to keep score. As long as we are ahead of the person next to us, we're winning. We look for safety. Money tells us that if only we have enough, we can insulate ourselves and our loved ones from all harm. No storm can touch us and no violence can come near us if we have a leak-proof roof and strong walls around us. We look for satisfaction. Money tells us that it can fulfill our every desire. We can eat tasty things, be endlessly entertained, buy the things that will keep our loved ones happy and make them love us more and live in ease and comfort. Why would we need a savior if we can get money to do all these things for us? And that's the trap. Snap. Money is never content to be a tool. It is constantly trying to become our very identity. Today's scripture says that the rich young man walked away sad from his encounter with Jesus. The same word for sad here is the word used to describe Jesus weeping tears of blood in the garden. It's more akin to anguish. Jesus grieved because the thing he valued most in the world was about to be taken away, his father. This man was in anguish at the thought that he might lose the thing that brought him the most joy in life, his money. Jesus was asking him to change his identity. But Jesus wasn't asking him or us to do anything he hadn't already done himself. 
Jesus gave up all of his riches of heaven to come and live among us. He gave up all his status, all his safety, all his comfort because he saw that we were in terrible danger and didn't even know it. Only when we reflect on Christ's sacrifice, on what he endured to set us free, can our eyes be open to the trap that money blinds us to. Money promises status, safety, and comfort, but it can never deliver. It will leave us broken and unfulfilled. Only when we open our eyes to the danger of the trap can we step into the goodness of Christ's plan for our whole lives, including our money and material possessions. All right, well, welcome to the very last week of our devos. We're talking about our third theme, which is sacrifice or rather living uh, sacrificially. And Autumn, you, uh, you actually came up with a stat in here that I actually really appreciated. You said that Jesus talked more about money than really anything in, in, to, in really totality of his message, heaven and hell combined, all that type of stuff. So I did some further research and found out that 15% uh, of all of his preaching, 11 out of the 39 parables were all about money. And 2,300 verses in the totality of 66 books of the Bible are all really anchored and centered towards money. So I guess the question I wanna to bring to you guys is why do you guys think Jesus spends so much of his ministry talking about money? Oh, you want to say answer? Yeah, that was you. Yeah, oh, you okay. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's, uh, I think, the the Bible answer, and I think this is probably true, is it is the thing that fights for our, uh, probably fights for our attention, our identity, and our value the most. So it's the thing that we make a pseudo-savior. Uh, so it's the thing that we think is going to save us when it, you know, we say Jesus is going to save us, but we really believe money is going to save us. And so I think he attacks that, that idol in our life. That's good. Anyone else? So Shane and I, when we first got married, um, one of the first things that we did was we did a biblical financial study. And um, it really, you know, we had been raised, well, I had been, Shane wasn't a believer when he was uh, in college. Uh, but after he became a believer, we started tithing. And, you know, so it was just always something that we did, but we didn't necessarily have a full foundation. And so it really changed our thinking on money. And then you start to drift. Like you do the study and you learn it all and then you drift because culture and just everything is constantly shouting something different at you. And so we took it again about five years later and we thought, we just start learning this all again. Like it just felt like all new. And so we've really made it a habit in our marriage to do a biblical financial study like every five years because it just feels like the messaging that we're getting from culture and from the world is so completely contradictory to what the Bible actually says about money. Yeah, yeah. So. In their initial thoughts? So I think, Toy, you got anything? In the book of Matthew uh, 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And I think that that'll segue into our, our next question. Well, uh, because it means that every day, right, that, that, every, that every transaction that we make, it really is an indication of where our heart is. It is an act of worship, right? And so, what specifically about money is so dangerous? So I, I do this rooted talk, and I might even do a piece of this um, throughout this series, is it gives us all the things that Jesus would give us. So safety, hmm. we think it's going to make us safe. It's going to somehow protect us from a dangerous world if we just have enough money. Um, it's going to give us um, security. Did you come up with the S's here, or did you? Where'd you get the, did you put those in there? It was fire. I did. I, I don't know that. What I are they? 
Listen, you do it. Significance, uh, safety, satisfaction. That's fine, dude. That's one of my rooted talk. Don't steal that. that. I, I thought I heard. I was like, that was fire. Autumn's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> okay. Go through them then. What are they? Go ahead. No, no. I said autumn was brilliant. <laughs> autumn no. needs to. Yeah. Autumn, go ahead. Tell yeah. us about those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I write things down so that I don't have to remember them. Okay. I am sure. You know what, Cody? Every good idea in the world really originates with you. Yeah. Well, so why don't you the honest, the honesty is it. probably Tim Keller said it at some point, and then I threw some S's on it, and then we, you know, I right. called it mine. Well, so. I did at least cite Tim Keller in this, so I'm sure it did, it came from Jesus yeah. the King. Doyle, so. isn't if you change a couple of the letters though, you don't have to cite them anymore? It's your idea now, or is that? How, how would I know? Okay. <laughs> I've only done original stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Okay, Autumn, talk us through us. Talk well, through I this. can't. Okay, I have to go to it. So, what were what's the first one? Significance. Significance. So, um, if you think that you need to be important in the world and you need people to think that you're important, then you just use money. You just spend your way to significance, and and it can make you think. Okay, I'm I'm significant. Mm -hmm. Safety. Safety. Okay, so there's a flood outside. You can build a better foundation for your house. You can build a better roof. You can do all of that kind of or stuff. Or you if you're a prepper, you could get mm, a... Tell me more. What, what are those things? What tell are those giant containers in the ground? Oh, Alice Bunkers? What do you mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it so that the majority of the things that could... Natural disasters and things that could happen in the world, they don't impact you the way that they impact other people. Yeah. And even if they do impact you, you can buy your way out of them. Like you can, oh, I've got money that's going to keep me safe. Yeah. Uh, satisfaction. So satisfaction, and I think that one is also linked to love, you know, that you can actually buy your way into feeling content and happy in life. And, you know, if your kids aren't happy with you, then you can go and buy them something and all of a sudden they're happy with you for, for a moment. And you can kind of buy yourself into a place of contentment. And then the thought is, okay, well, if you can do that, if you can buy all of those things, security and satisfaction, and you can do all of that, why do you need Jesus? <laughs> like, yeah. why do you even need him if you can just, it's so much easier to be in control of all of those things yourself than, than waiting and trusting someone else for it. Mm, that's good. Cody, got anything to add to that? To your S's? Um, Thank you for all of that information, Cody. I'm so yeah. glad that you yeah. had poured that previously into my life heard so a lot of I could share. I don't feel like she's being genuine. Do you guys <laughs> no, think she's, she's being genuine? I guess one more S would be sunglasses, mm. is I'm currently wearing sunglasses in, and, indoors. And, indoors. Yeah. And so if you're watching this um, online, I just got back from an eye doctor. Uh, He's also cool, really cool. I am also very cool. The sun is always shining on cool people. So <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> okay. Right out there. Yeah. <laughs> I heard another pastor talk about this and answer this question in an interesting way. It says that um, number one, it makes you, it, it, money has the capacity to lie to you. It um, kind of bonds you into believing that you are the clothes you wear, the cars you drive, the comfort that you have, the, the accomplishments that you can um, accrue in your life. Uh, even like where you live, your zip code, all of that, it bonds you into believing that you are uh, either what you consume or what you can afford. And then the last was interesting. It talks about slavery. In the book of Proverbs, it also talks about uh, slavery. We'll get to in a, in a few um, days. But um, it says that it bonds you to the slavery of more, right? That if you make enough, that you can control your circumstances in some, in some sense of the way, like bring yourself back to Eden. If you have enough money because of your, your significance, your safety, and your satisfaction, that you can control the unpredictable circumstances of the world around you uh, and make you not really lean and rely upon God you know, much longer. But our next question is, why do we, or do you think pastors, don't talk more about money? You know, I could add another S to this list. It can make you sexy. And the reason why I said mm. this, the reason why As I said Because you can yeah. buy the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, and um, the place that I went this morning to have my eyes looked at was next to a plastic surgeon. So I just thought you could buy 
All right. Mm, you're right. I may throw that in there. We'll but that see. really is the essence of every idol. Is So every idol that we have, it's an attempt to gain control over the world, under the un, you know, over the uncontrollable. And that's what money does is it gives it. And so when we're shocked when something out of our control happens because we've been using that idol to control everything. Yeah. Tim Keller says, when any a good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. It ultimately leads to our enslavement. And money can obviously be a good thing. So yeah, why do you guys think that pastors um, are just people? We don't talk about money more often. Tori, why don't you, why don't you talk about money more often? I don't know anything about money. <laughs> I'm not very good with it. <laughs> yeah. uh, here, here's the real answer. The real answer is that we think we're about people's souls and we separate that from money. And so we feel like if we talk about money, they're going to they're gonna doubt our motivation and they're going to discount our message because we're they will perceive us to be about money. Mm-hmm. Truth is, if we truly care about people's soul, and, and money is the number one um, detractor from growing in their faith or becoming a Christian, then we ought to be talking about it. And Jesus obviously talked about it. So I think it's a failure on pastor's part, saying, including mine. I think we just don't talk about it enough because we, we fear what people are going to think. Oh, he's in it for the money. Which is interesting because I think that's actually an evil strategy <laughs> by, by the evil one. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, Puts it out there. Oh, pastors want money. Well, they pick a few guys in in history who who misused ministry and made a lot of money. Okay, not a few. There's probably lots, mm-hmm. but certainly not the majority. I know a lot of pastors. I know very few that have any money, and and so we let that narrative dissuade us from attacking the real thing that's holding a lot of people back. So I think as pastors, we really need to be braver, bolder, and in all honesty, trust God more. So if we talk about money, people reject us. Okay, yeah. that was the number one issues in your life. Is one of the, one of the things she's talked about. So yeah, I think we don't talk about it enough, and I think it's because we're afraid that people will um, misread our intentions. Hmm. Could you want anything to that? Um, I yeah, I, I had a meeting the other day with a guy who is a fairly new believer, came out of the, of the business world. I think has done well financially, and this is like the thing I can tell just in it. 30-minute conversation that is um, really keeping him from growing. And he I could tell he wants to grow, but he said, and I thought this was great, he said, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up around anyone who ever gave money away. Like the whole purpose of life was to make money. And so this is a whole mental shift that he's having to, to make in his mind as he's following Jesus. He's like, okay, this is where the rubber hits the road. And so I think it's a great test of faith, you know, is do we really believe, are we really bought into this deal? Or is it something that, um, you know, meets a need for us and we'll, 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 we'll follow until it costs us something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to borrow this from another pastor, Rick Warren. He says that uh, there's this fear that when pastors, we walk up on a stage and we talk about money that, you know, the, the, the non-believer, the person in, in, in the audience is going to think all they care about is the, the money that's in my hand. And his quote is, God doesn't care about the money in your hand, but the idol in your heart. And I think that's a good way of kind of explaining that. But our last question is, have you ever seen anyone make it out of the trap? What happened in their life, their family, and maybe even their witness? What do you mean? Clarify on that, make it out of the... So a lot of Autumn's uh, Devo was about that, that that money actually has a trap, right? It becomes a pseudo-savior. It becomes the thing in which we get, like, you know, those, those S's and significant safety, and it becomes our savior and um, where we develop our value and satisfaction. So have you seen somebody that, through the act of giving, uh, whether that just be regularly giving, tithing, X, Y, or Z, that they've no longer found their identity in, in the pursuit of, of things, uh, the acquisition of more, things like that? But I think... I think money is an addiction. 
just like any other addiction. And, and so you don't break an addiction by kind of easing out of it. I'm going to do a little less, little less math today. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you got to break that thing. And, uh, and so I think people approach money like they start out by going, yeah, I'll, I'll. by the way, one of the interesting things is when we stopped passing the offering plates on our weekend services, our income didn't go down. Because you know what people were doing? They were tipping God. Oh, hey, it's a nice show today. I'm going to give you 10 bucks. Well, God's not really interested in your 10 bucks. He's interested in your whole heart. And so I, I think one of the misunderstandings we have about giving is that it's, it's not a tipping thing. It's not an easier way into it. And we try to get people to move that direction. And frankly, financially, many people need to get themselves healthier financially to actually yeah. be able to tithe. But it is a breaking an addiction, the addiction of greed and all the false assumptions that go with idolatry. And um, I don't think many people in the West want to come to grips with that idol. I just think they want to harbor on some level in their subconscious that money and power and fame is the answer. They just still want to hold on to that. And until we completely let go of those things, until we completely break that, and understand that the addiction of money is more dangerous than an addiction to heroin. Because at least most of society thinks heroin's a bad idea. I, I think they do. Everybody in society thinks money's a good idea, yeah, and it's except awesome, yeah. for God mm. and his people. And so I think you ask a moment ago, do we see those turnarounds? It's pretty rare. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty rare. It, it is probably more rare to move somebody from a place of having um, a small heart in terms of generosity to a generous heart, a big heart of generosity. That is more rare than seeing people get off drugs. Hmm. I'm just, that's just me, my experience. I yeah. could be wrong, but I just I think about it. I, I don't know many people that do it. I don't know many people that go from zero to full-on tithing to actually giving more than that. Something major has to happen. And one is they, get, they, they understand who Jesus really is, and they get a glimpse of what eternity is about. And then they realize that their money can do a lot more good rather than buying a new car, a new house, whatever it is, that their money can do more good feeding the poor, sharing the gospel, um, and, and so they get a vision for something bigger. And, and I think it is the vision of God and the vision of something bigger that can help people change. But I, I'm not going to lie. I, I think it's pretty rare. I think it's unfortunate. I mean, just, just the statistics, and we may cite them this week, of what um, <coughs> the kingdom would be like, what, what the church could be doing right now if people would just take 10%, which is a minimum. We can get into that later. I think that's a minimum. If took the ten percent thing serious, yeah. and so there is a sense to me which, because I, I I struggle with money issues just like everybody else does. I'd always think more is better, and and yet whenever I've trusted God, He's always taken care of me, and I just think the church is ripping off themselves, the pastors are ripping off the church by not confronting it as much as we should. And the church is ripping off the world because we're not doing the good we should be doing, all because of the idol of money. And so I think it's a serious issue, and I not to be taken lightly. And I just have a hard time if someone calls himself a Christian but hasn't dealt with this. Or I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but I'm saying you're at least struggling with this thing. You're at least trying to come to Christ. What does God want from my money? And anybody who says off limits to God when it comes to their money, I don't know. I, I, that's a pretty scary place to be. Yeah, Cody, you've talked about the inconsistencies of like trusting God with your eternity, just not your tomorrow. 
or not your finances, you know. And so I think that's a, a great way to summarize the, uh, this Devo. So that's all we have for you guys today. Wait, I haven't got to oh, share. Oh, dude, please. Oh, James. <laughs> to share. I'm James, here. Wait, here. I'm here. I you were James, there. let's wait till tomorrow to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think we're already out of 20 minutes. So. <laughs> no, but I, I, for me, I was very uncomfortable yeah. in this, uh, this devotion today because um, I had the privilege of working with very, very poor people in my life. And um, working with them, I realized that, you know, we talk about the money addiction. I feel like I can't speak to it because I'm in this like privileged money class. Like uh, even when I struggle, I always think I can get see my way out of it. God will provide something for me. You know, it's like I, I never get to the place where I can't see a way out of it. And, you know, I just think that's, I live a very privileged life that way. I've never really had to wonder where my next meal is coming from or if I'm going to have a roof over my head. And uh, I have met and, and worked with those people. Yeah, worked with those people. And I just remember one day I was sitting down with one of my good friends and he started talking about that he doesn't have enough money. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a great time. I'm going to talk about how the money doesn't solve anything. It's actually the root of all evil. And he looked at me and goes, he goes, James, that is so easy for you to say because I have my bachelor's, my master's, and my doctorate in law, and I have to live in this village and fish just to provide food for my family, and I have to uh, grow seaweed just hoping that it will have a good crop and I'll be able to provide for my family. And he goes, how dare you talk to me that money is the root of all evil? And it was just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> It was just like it hurt me. And you know what? I never had another opportunity to share my faith with him. Hmm. He never allowed me that opportunity because that shut down his, the door to that. And I, I think it, it, money was a big deal for him. It was a big deal for him. But, and I did have a chance to share with his family and, and other members in the family, but I, it just makes me uncomfortable because of that experience and many experiences like that. It's, uh, I think I'm coming from such a position of privilege and just never having to know a lot of these struggles that poor people deal with. Uh, it makes me, it's difficult to talk about. Yeah. Could you want to talk about that verse where it talks about uh, money being the root of all evils and what really the theology behind that is? Yeah, are we talking, we're not, are we going to talk about it later on in the week? If not, I can mention it real quick. Mention it. Yeah. So that, that I, he's kind of paraphrasing, but really what that verse is about is, is not that money is in itself is evil. evil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about what is money? Money is some numbers on a bank account. It's uh, some paper with some old dead guys on there. I mean, yeah. what is it? Yeah. That's what money, no, no, no. Um, what money is, is all the things that it represents. And the issue with it is the love of money. Yeah. And that's the key word there is, money is not a bad thing. Money is a neutral thing. Just like, you know, I could say tool. food, yeah. you know? It's, a, it's the love, the excess love. It's the priorities. It's making it more important than um, Jesus, more important than your family, more important than your relationships. Um, it's, you know, as Augustine would say, it's a disordered love. Yeah. As you order all the things that you love in life, that should not be anywhere on that list, at least not near the top. So, yeah, that's great. Cool. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. We will see you guys tomorrow. Okay, now we're going to turn it back to you, our listeners. If you'd like to learn more about the topic, the main resource for today's Devo is chapter 11 of Jesus the King by Tim Keller. We have some questions for you to think about as we close today. Number one, in what ways have you used money to provide significant safety or comfort? Are these things bad? What is the danger? Two, to what extent does money play a role in your identity? What would your reaction be if God told you to give all your possessions away? 
And finally, three, what role do you think God wants money to play in your life? Why? Hey, thanks for joining us today. You hope that uh, you've learned something. Maybe you're inspired to something. You recognize something. Something surprising to us is that we were moved by some of the conversation we had. We didn't realize how passionate we were about some of these issues. And so we begin to talk about how life-changing they are. I hope that you not only heard what we're talking about, but that you're going to take some action. Change the way you're thinking. Involve yourself in something. Do something in response. Don't let it just be an intellectual exercise. Thanks again for joining us. Join us again tomorrow.